Think about the last time a friend or someone at work, school, or university asked you, so what are you up to this weekend? And you said, I'm going to church. Assuming that person wasn't a Christian, what do you think went through their mind? Did they think, oh, they're religious. Church is what religious people do. Did they think it's good they have somewhere to connect with people? Did they think, oh, that's nice. I know the church has a strong community. Maybe they told you as much, or maybe they kept it to themselves. Maybe they thought something less charitable and quickly moved the conversation along. Whatever they said aloud or in their head, chances are what they thought of you going to church was a world away from what the Apostle Peter tells us it means to be a follower of Jesus. So let's reread today's passage and you'll see what I mean. So as a reminder, we're in 1 Peter 1, looking at verses 1 to 2. It's on page 1217 of the Church Bibles. So 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 and 2. This is the start of Peter's circular letter to the persecuted early church. What do his words teach us about what it means to be a Christian? What do they teach us about how we are equipped to fulfill our mission, to preach the gospel to the unbelieving world? So verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So the first word I want to draw out here is that word elect. What does it mean? For most of us, our minds probably go to the word election, as in how a prime minister or president is usually selected. Usually. And that's not far off the meaning here. In the same way we might say a country chose a president, here Peter is saying God chose us to be his followers. Now, don't get me wrong, the gospel is clear that we must make a choice to follow Jesus. But there's also a sense that God chose us as his followers. We're told in Romans 8, in God's omnipotence, he knows who will choose to follow him, and he predetermined that we would be his followers before we ourselves decided. And in fact, we also get this idea in the next verse of 1 Peter 1. It says we're God's elect scattered exiles who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. So God the Father chose us through his Spirit to be obedient to his Son Jesus in whom we are made holy thanks to his bloody sacrifice on the cross. In the context of 1 Peter, The apostle is writing to Jewish Christians and increasingly Gentile Christians scattered throughout the known world. We know from the story of Abraham that the Jews were originally chosen as God's people. And now, thanks to Jesus, that invitation is open to all. Jews and non-Jews alike can be part of God's elect. But in a Roman-dominated world, even at the rapid pace the church was growing, these early Christians were still very much in the minority. Fast forward to today, and we might think it's a different story. 
in this country at least. After all, Christianity is the UK's official religion, a fact that was abundantly clear throughout the proceedings around the Queen's funeral last month. At the 2011 UK census, nearly 60% of respondents answered the question, what is your religion, with Christianity. However, if we look at actual church attendance, as we saw in the video, only 6% of UK citizens worship in a Christian church at least once a month. So let's see that represented visually. So again, this should be familiar from the video and from our activity. So for those who can't see the screen, here we have our grid of 100 dots, six of which are in a different color clustered in one corner. So imagine these red dots are us on a Sunday morning. We're gathered in one place, separate from the secular world around us. Gathering in this way gives us the opportunity to worship together and to strengthen and encourage one, one another in who we are, God's chosen people. So let's put a pin in this idea of us as God's elect gathering on a Sunday and explore another key word in our passage. So verse 1 again, Paul is writing to God's elect exiles scattered throughout Roman provinces in what is now Turkey. Thanks to religious persecution, Paul's original audience was scattered across the Roman world as a means of escape. Today, we are also scattered. Let's change up our visual to see this idea represented. So now we have our same 10 by 10 grid with the six red dots, but this time, instead of being clustered in the top corner, the dots are scattered at random throughout the grid. This is our state throughout most of the week. Yes, outside Sunday mornings, we might also gather at house group, prayer group, or other church meetings. But the majority of the time, we are scattered throughout our non-believing world. Like our map from the activity, we are on our front lines. Our front lines are the places we live, work, study, or play where we're likely to connect with people who don't follow Jesus. Frontline is the same word used in military settings for the position in a war zone closest to the area of conflict. And that's because the beliefs and actions of Jesus' followers are in conflict with those of the world. We are in a battlefield helping save the lives of those on our front lines. We want them to live in eternity with Jesus, not to die and suffer the pain of hell. This concept is quite different from our examples at the beginning, the typical idea of church as just a nice social club. Being part of a church means we're intentionally gathering to build each other up in the presence of the Father to prepare for battle. We prepare as a gathering because we know we're going to be scattered throughout the week on our individual front lines with our non-believing friends, family, and colleagues. So if being gathered means worshipping God and strengthening and encouraging one another in community, what does it mean to be scattered? What should we be doing out on the battlefield? Well, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were scattered from their land as exiles in Babylon, God told them through the prophet Jeremiah 
that for the time being, they should make a home where they are. He said, prosper, build houses, grow gardens, have a family. Work for the welfare of the pagan nation whose land you reside in. Pray for its prosperity. Likewise, to the part of the scattered church that settled in Philippi, Paul said, Carry on your work without grumble or complaint. Be blameless and pure. Hold firmly to God's word. Shine like stars among the warped and crooked of your generation. In some ways, we are no different from the world around us. We still sin, we still dishonor God, we still follow false idols. But through Jesus' sacrifice, we have the opportunity to repent of our sins and practice obedience in a way that turns heads towards us and ultimately towards Jesus. To live our lives for him instead of in our sinfulness against him. We should stand out like these red dots and not become grayed out and lose our distinctiveness from the world around us. What does that look like for you? How are you standing out or how could you stand out as a follower of Jesus in a pagan nation? Let me give you some examples from my life. So I work in marketing in a busy office environment If I was purely of the world and had no desire to follow Jesus' example, it would be very easy for me to fudge numbers, to misrepresent my employer's services to our clients, to pretend I've been more productive than I really have. But I don't. I strive to be honest with my employer, with our clients, to tell things how they really are instead of how I'd like them to be. Then looking at my life decisions more broadly. For example, I've made the decision not to drink alcohol. I don't believe this is the right path for every Christian or even most Christians. But for me, who has a history of abusing alcohol, I choose to reject that temptation completely. I've made serious choices about the media I consume. Is what I'm watching, reading or listening to beneficial? Does it build me up as a follower of Jesus? Or does it overexpose me to worldly ideas that will lead me to sin? God knows I fail in these pursuits and that there are likely many other parts of my life he wants me to transform. But those are some of my areas of focus that help me hopefully stand out as a follower of Jesus. Stand out as one of God's elect. So what about you? How do you stand out in your workplace, school, or in social settings among your non-believing friends, family, and colleagues? Do you treat others differently to how your peers treat them? Do you handle your money better and more generously? Do you avoid grumbling and complaining? In our scattered state, on your front line, How are you standing out as a follower of Jesus? And if you're with us this morning and you wouldn't say you're a follower of Jesus, well, firstly, you are very welcome. 
And second, I hope this passage has helped you see the church through a biblical lens rather than the distorted lens of the outside world. If I had my marketing hat on, I might say, Welcome to church. Come for the refreshments and the free childcare. Stay for uplifting songs and friendly chats with our congregation. Those things are great, but they're not why we're here primarily. To focus on those things would be to misrepresent the point of church. We're here instead to worship the one true God, to equip each other to spread the good news about his son throughout the world and to resist the fiery arrows of his enemies. If you're not in that place right now, if you don't feel like you're here to meet and be equipped by God and community, that's okay. As I said, you're very welcome. But if you do want to understand more about the true purpose of church and the God at the head of it, please speak to one of our team with a host badge at the end. They will be more than happy to help. So we've seen how, as Christians, we are God's elect. He chose us to do his good work, spreading the gospel of his son, Jesus. We've looked at how the elect gathers to worship God together and to strengthen and encourage one another as his chosen people. We've seen how we are exiles scattered throughout a non-believing world for the purpose of shining like stars and turning heads towards our Savior Jesus. But what does being elect scattered exiles look like on our different front lines? As we go through this series of Frontline Sundays, we'll explore the implications of this. What does it look like to have God with us wherever we are? What does it look like to live our whole lives in the name of Jesus? What does it look like to be rooted in prayer? And what does it look like to grow together as a church body? That's what's coming up for the rest of the series. But for this morning, we're just going to finish up on this idea of exile. We've talked about the Jews' exile from Israel, both in the Old and New Testament, one as a result of captivity, the other of persecution. Israel's Old Testament captors, the Babylonians, were themselves conquered by the Persian Empire. And after a few years, Persia allowed its captured people to return to their homelands and resume their old lives. In terms of the wider biblical story, our exile is from Eden, God cast us out of the garden because we were disobedient. We made ourselves incompatible with God's perfect paradise because we were imperfect. But thanks to Jesus' sacrifice, those who repent and follow him will enter the new Eden. We will return from exile. The book of Revelation tells us that Eden will be restored. The tree of life will heal God's people. The curse of sin will be lifted. Our mission now, as we look forward to our return from exile, is to make sure those on our front lines return as well. Do not let your non-believing friends, family, and colleagues remain in exile, separated from the fullness of God. 
by your actions and words, shine like a star and point the way to God's glorious eternal light. Amen.